Welcome in everyone and thank you for listening to the 179th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Rebel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. Snowy Springfield, Missouri. Thank you. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great, Cam. We really appreciate that honesty from you about the weather. Is it snowy enough out there for you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's accumulated. We had to push our recording date back a day because we just didn't want to brave the weather last night so sorry about that we yeah yeah it's mainly me <laughs> <laughs> sorry no everyone. uh, uh it, the roads weren't great no, yesterday they're aw- they awful much better today cameron we went to a concert a few days ago maybe like five days ago um we were very very close to the stage oh, and yeah. my ears are still muffled i'll try to speak up for you yeah thanks appreciate that yeah, we were uh, third row for Tool in Tulsa. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Wonderful experience. Highly recommend it. Uh, and wear earplugs like I did. Yeah, yeah. Did they work? Were they good? Uh, here's the thing. Hello. I bought fancy concert-going earplugs, as you know, <clears throat> and I left them at home. No. I did. Uh, but a kind gentleman that was sitting next to me had extra earplugs, and they were just like the orange foam mm-hmm. ones. Yeah pop those bad boys in perfectly fine experience and my ears are perfectly well man i was hoping to get a review before i purchase some for myself so well maybe one day i will remember to use them at an actual concert well probably the same one i'm going to with you so (laughs) i still won't get a review before i use um kyle we've got uh we got some recruiting wrap-up uh, National Signing Day Volume 2 has come and, come and gone, uh, so we get to talk about Missouri's Missouri football's recruiting class, uh, and then we're going to recap two basketball games, preview two more basketball games, but before we do any of that, if you're listening to this, don't forget to uh, check us out on YouTube, subscribe over there, uh, leave us a review on any podcast platforms that you might use, and if you want to support the podcast directly, you can do so on our Patreon page patreon.com slash missouri sports pod that gives you access to our discord server some been some really good conversation over there talking about recruits and there's some some really nice funny folks over there always making me smile so if you want to be a part of that patreon.com slash missouri sports pod um speaking of support i am supporting and sporting luther burden on my hoodie it's a nice looking hoodie. You look, you look, you're looking great. Thank you. I like it. Nice and warm. It's very warm. It's warm in this room, <laughs> and this hoodie is warming me even more. But um, hopefully I can keep it nice and clean since it is white. But uh, so far, 10 out of 10, recommend. Uh, thanks, Luther, for the hoodie that I paid for. It's really nice. Producer Cameron, you like the logo? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'll show it off for the camera. Yeah, I recommend it. Nice, uh, warm way to support uh, number one wide receiver in the country. Speaking of the Discord real quick, yeah. uh, the guys in the Discord, um, let's just say something bad happened. Maybe like we had to, maybe something happened with the audio of the of the podcast and we had to start over and, and redo it. Hypothetically. Hypothetically, because yeah. that's definitely never happened right. or anything like that. Um, they seem to think that I would be the one to flip the table <laughs> if we got some bad news or something. Do you guys agree with that? Oh yeah, um, 
I feel like you would maybe like mentally flip the table in your head and we all know that. (laughs) So maybe that's what they're talking about. Okay. That's fair. But uh, like you said on Discord, if uh, if slash when the audio fails and we have to redo an episode, which we've never had to do, obviously, um, <laughs> we would all three uh, collectively flip the table. Yeah, we'd do it together. Yes. Okay, <coughs> let's let's talk about Mizzou. Um, first thing on my list here, we're going to talk about some news and stuff. But first things first, Tyler Beatty. He is impressing, has impressed at the Senior Bowl. Um, just maybe the most talked about player from that uh i don't know what all they do as part of the senior bowl it's a it's a game that they play yeah but uh definitely an nfl scouting opportunity yeah they've been doing a lot of practices and stuff um yeah tyler Beatty. uh he's i mean we, we know he's special he's electric in the past game i've seen him doing really well on the run game and the past game he's been shaking dudes like crazy um caleb evans has had a really nice showing as well I've seen a few clips of him shutting guys down in practices and stuff. They haven't played the game yet, have they? I don't know when that is. I don't know. Uh, but definitely worth tuning into to see a couple guys for sure. I Is Allie Green playing in that? No idea. Okay. Tyler Beatty, he slimmed down a little bit um, yeah. to look a little bit quicker in some of the drills and stuff, and he looks very fleet of foot. He, he, oh, wow. That was interesting little phrase. Yeah, phrase there. Um he has he's definitely slimmed down i think maybe like 15 pounds or so uh to be he's even faster than he was probably and i think initially i would have thought tyler Beatty would go probably fifth sixth round and that's still possible and i mean mizzou fans might think that's insane to think that i would say that considering uh the season he had but the nfl draft is just a little bit different when it comes to like college production and you know the nfl draft is maybe even too heavily skewed on measurables and size and and um potential all of those things are are the potential of the asset not what you've done in at the college level tyler Beatty, obviously a fantastic college player um i definitely think he could be a uh a solid player in the nfl level especially i think he could really own kind of that third down passing role for for a lot of teams so but after this um after the senior bowl practices and stuff so far, I could definitely see him maybe going up to the third or fourth round. The senior yeah. bowl is tomorrow at one oh, thirty. Wow. So tune into that. Thank you. Watch the Missouri Tigers. Um, I was just like curious, trying to find some kind of comp off the top of my head and for like somebody that's already in the NFL. Let me and guess. What? Let me guess. Um, I'm probably not going to guess, am I? Well, I was thinking maybe like a Giovanni Bernard or um, maybe a Keyshawn Vaughn or something like that because they're kind of like the quicker third down pass catching backs. Right. So off the top of my head, without thinking about it too hard, I typed in Austin Eckler because I just want to see the size comparison. Yeah, that's probably a a pretty good size comparison. Um, Google has Austin Eckler at 5'10", 200. So uh, Tyler Beatty a little bit shorter um, on the official measurements probably. He's probably about 200 though, isn't he? Yeah. I think he slimmed down to like 195 for the Senior Bowl. I think he was playing at like 210. Yeah, but his Austin, senior year. Austin Eckler is probably one of the smallest, like, heavy, like three down backs in right. the NFL. He's kind of a unique case. But yeah, yeah. I was just trying to think of anybody that actually is able to do that right. consistently. Mm. He's maybe still a little bit bigger than Tyler Beatty. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you probably have to go, like you said, to somebody with a little bit smaller role on their team to find a more exact comp and that's the reason why he probably won't go exactly. as high 
as he could. Yeah, he's 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 very undersized, even for a running back. But um, he's proven a lot of people wrong many times before. So yeah, somebody will definitely take a chance on him. And with this uh, impressive showing at the Senior Bowl this whole week, um, there's definitely going to be several teams that are hoping that he lasts until whatever pick. Yeah. All right, so uh, National Signing Day Volume 2. Real quick, we're going to kind of go over some of the transfers that uh, we've we've talked about previously, but now that it's solidly in place, um, we're going to recap that a little bit. But first, let's talk about just the high school players. So we did add two high school recruits to the recruiting class. Um, Curtis Piegler, the offensive tackle from Alabama, three-star according to rivals just really didn't have that many offers and Mizzou kind of just swooped in and was able to pick him up basically the same situation for Carmica Glass linebacker from Louisiana both guys that were under recruited that's why they were still available this late in the uh, recruiting process but seem like guys with measurables that look good tape that looks good um definitely potential to see the field at some point Mm -hmm. definitely not like throwaway scholarships or anything close to that in my opinion so two guys that were definitely kind of under the radar pickups that i think will look good in the future yeah um i mean you're not going to hit on everybody in your class and uh but you know missouri has uh brought in a really solid class uh ratings wise uh they filled a lot of needs, I think, and you can afford to take a couple flyers on the guys on guys that are a little under recruited, um, that may not have the measurables yet. Um, Carmichael Glasses, he's a little undersized for a linebacker. He's like two ten or something like that, so he's going to have to put on some weight, and that's perfectly fine. Um, if you know he takes a couple years to get to the weight he needs to be, a lot of players that are even highly ranked need to do, need to do that. So. Um, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with taking a, a couple flyers here with these guys. Piegler is actually uh, his size is not his issue whatsoever. He's right. uh, SEC size already. So um, if I had to guess, obviously I don't know this for sure, but I would say Piegler was probably kind of uh, related to the Deshaun Woods situation. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Woods didn't make it uh, to Missouri. He was a uh, commit, um, but I think he had some grades issues, academic issues, and so he did not qualify. Offensive lineman from Nebraska. Yeah, he was number one recruit from Nebraska, and so that definitely um, that definitely hurts the recruiting class rankings and everything. Um, he ended up at Wyoming, or yes. he ended up uh, committing to Wyoming. Uh, we still don't know whether he'll actually exactly and get to um, Laramie. But yeah, and that that's an interesting point. Is you know he committed to Wyoming, but still has the same kind of academic issues and stuff. Like those don't go away just because you go to a lower level of D one. So um, they, but they maybe are more. Uh, in a position to take a risk on an incredibly talented player, yep. even maybe more so than Missouri was apparently. So, but um, uh, I would say I don't know the inner workings of that situation specifically, but don't close the door completely exactly. on Woods uh, eventually ending up in Columbia. It's not unheard of for a guy to go the JUCO route or go to a different school and then still end up in Missouri. Uh, there's a offensive lineman that we're going to talk about that. that do that exact same thing yeah if he really wants to end if if he really wants to be at mizzou um he can he can probably be here in a year from now uh before we get to the transfers though so the final class rankings on a couple of the big websites uh 24 7 sports has this missouri class of 2022 at 14th in the country rivals has them at 17th and sixth in the sec um i did want to point out uh miz chris on twitter 
um, he mentioned he pointed out that Missouri would be would have the number one recruiting class in the Pac-12, the number three class in the ACC, number three class in the Big 12, and number four class in the Big 10. So again, I feel like I've said it multiple times on the show, but sixth in the SEC but 14th overall is kind of a crazy concept. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And uh, I don't think ESPN is known quite as much for their like recruiting rankings and stuff like that, but still worth mentioning that according to ESPN, I think Missouri was 10th overall and 4th in the SEC. So just I mean for any of the services to, you know, realistically have them ranked in that neighborhood is just unbelievable. Yeah, that's still no matter what service you look at, that's the the highly the most highly rated recruiting class Missouri has ever had. Yeah. In, in the era where those services are doing the rankings. There's always somebody that's like, well, back in 1973, yeah. they had a number one <laughs> class. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about the transfers a little bit. It's It'll be nice to kind of put a bow on this transfer class. Now, it's not... Uh, there still is room to take a couple more guys in the spring, depending on how some of the spring practices go. Missouri and other programs and uh there's, yeah, there's probably going to be a couple more departures just depend like there's always a couple guys in the spring that realize okay I'm still not on the depth chart where I thought I was going to be by this time and so we always see a couple more departures around like after the spring game but uh you want to take it away however you want to discuss the transfers yeah uh, I mean we've talked about most or all of these guys um at some points but i just kind of wanted to take stock of where we were kind of go through just quickly everybody that that is coming in um and i'll just uh start with joseph charleston he was a uh, safety from clemson he's got and i'll just say how many years of eligibility they officially have even though i don't know that they'll use all these years theoretically have yeah, they yeah. Three, theoretically he's got three years of eligibility Played in 28 games at Clemson, and as a freshman, he had 55 tackles, which seems pretty impressive on, like, a where he's coming in competing against some pretty talented recruits at places like Clemson. Absolutely. Uh, I would probably look for him to have considerable playing time immediately. Uh, we've got the Hoppers. We've got uh, Tyrone Hopper uh, from North Carolina. He's got one year of eligibility. He's a defensive end uh, linebacker, probably going to play end at Missouri. Played in 38 games at North Carolina and had 61 tackles and four and a half sacks. Uh, Tyron Hopper is a linebacker from Florida with three years of eligibility. He played in 24 games, and last year was really when he he appeared in every game last year, has 65 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, and three and a half sacks. 15 tackles and, like, a sack and one and a half tackles for loss against Missouri. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. Uh, Yeah, he may single-handedly be the most impactful name on this list. Obviously, Jernigan might have something to say about that, but – uh, Hopper is a really talented young linebacker, and so again, he's probably going to play a ton. How much eligibility? Uh, he's got three years. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, and speaking of Mr. Jaden Jernigan from Oklahoma State, he's a defensive tackle. He's got two years of eligibility. Um, last year, Oklahoma State had a fantastic defense. Uh, I don't think he was a starter, but he was a very much a contributor. Uh, played had, or had 22 tackles, two tackles for loss, and a sack last year. Uh, real quick um, yes. on Jernigan, mm-hmm. what percentage chance would you say, or how likely would it be, in your opinion, that he just kind of blows up this coming season and leaves for the NFL? Uh, give me thirty percent. But I mean, 
I haven't watched a ton of film on him, but I definitely think that's something that he's capable of for sure. Yeah, and also it, it always depends on the player's situation. If they're mm-hmm. satisfied with a mid-round grade mm-hmm. going into the draft process or yeah, not. Yeah, he's probably, well, I think he maybe had 10 or so quarterback pressures. I think he's probably mostly known as like a run stopper, but can definitely do both. Uh, Nathaniel Pete is a running back from Stanford. He's got two years of eligibility. Obviously, he's um, originally from uh, Columbia. So a homecoming for Pete. Uh, he had 665 yards and four touchdowns on the ground uh, at, at Stanford, and he was a really good kick returner as well. He was probably their most reliable kick returner. Uh, so those that's mainly the guys who have a lot of college experience and have a lot of stats and stuff that they've put up in the past. We have a few younger guys who have like four years of eligibility. Uh, one of those is Ian Matthews, for a defensive tackle from Auburn. He didn't play at all at Auburn because he's only there for one year. So he's got four years of eligibility. Uh, Drayden Norwood is a uh, cornerback who is coming from A&M. He's got four years of eligibility. He, he appeared in a couple games at A&M last year, and I think Missouri recruited him out of high school as well. Uh, Bence Polgar is a center from Buffalo. He's got three years of eligibility. I think he's probably going to be the starting center next year. And then his teammate, who is going to, who came from Buffalo as well, is Tyler Stevens, a tight end who's got three years of eligibility. And last season he had 15 receptions for 157 yards and a touchdown. And last but not least is Dylan Spencer, who's the offensive lineman who started at Missouri. Uh, as a freshman, he started a couple games, transferred to Jackson State, and now has returned to Missouri, and I think he's got three years of eligibility. Welcome back. Um, notably, there were, you did not mention any quarterbacks yeah. in that list. Um, there, I, I, I feel like uh, maybe once or twice a week for the last month and a half, we've been somebody on Twitter has mentioned, like, Coach Drinkwitz is now following X quarterback who is in the transfer portal and uh coach drink himself was talking to reporters the other day and he mentioned the quarterback position and basically said you know i reserve the right to add a quarterback if i think it would help competition or depth basically Mm -hmm. so he's not he hasn't closed the door on that um i would maybe put it at like a 15 percent chance that missouri adds a quarterback that would legitimately compete for the starting job in the spring but it's always possible that's one position where i could see them maybe adding another player yeah i i really think jt daniels is probably the only quarterback that we're potentially going to add um before next season and uh jt daniels did recently name missouri specifically as a school he's in contact with the first school out of his mouth when he was asked so he he is in communication with missouri there will be some competition for him for sure but he's the like former five-star quarterback uh it was really good at Georgia for a little while before he kind of had his job taken uh, this past season. Yeah, and uh, his he has is in no hurry to uh, pick a school. He's going to be enrolled at, at Georgia through the spring semester. So um, don't hold your breath on that one, but might be a pleasant surprise a few months from now. All right, so overall, Kyle, with the additions to on the player side of things uh, this offseason – are you feeling pretty good about where we sit? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think that I would still feel better if we could add another tight end, but really that's probably the only glaring area still that we're just that we really need some experience. You know, I feel good 
about the Hopper addition at linebacker. Um, he and Chad Bailey, I think, are going to be a pretty nice duo next year if they can stay healthy. Uh, I really like Jernigan, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, Charleston's probably going to be a, a good player, too. You know, there, there's definitely some, some immediate impact guys there. There's still some kind of project guys that can develop and be effective players down the road as well. So, um, yeah, the, the transfer portal is, is chaos, but I think it's fun. I think, I oh, think yeah. it's, it's fun to be able just to add this many guys who, you know, realistically every season we could be looking at this many guys to just fill in and to come in and, and fill some holes. So, yeah, I mean, um, I'm going to put both of us on the spot here, but obviously we lost Makai Wingo and Daniel Parker Jr. Um, it, it, I mean, there were some defensive players that were in the mix for playing time last year, but they weren't like solid every game starters. Am I forgetting anybody? Because I feel like with this group coming in, if we're kind of weighing the balance, I feel like we've gained more than we lost, even though Wingo especially was such a big hit. Yeah. I feel like on the whole, um, I feel better, you know, uh, than if we had just kept everybody that we already had basically yeah I, I think i agree with you the the wingo departure definitely hurts but um you know i think mostly the guys that left were kind of depth guys i mean ish Burdine was uh maybe the one of the other notable departures but for the most part you know messiah swenson it was guys that weren't getting a lot of playing time and probably just weren't and going yeah. to so. yeah some of them definitely still had potential and you can actually see a little bit of that based on what school they end up at i mean right I think uh, maybe Jarvis Ware or maybe Ishberdeen, one of the defensive backs ended up at TCU. So like, you know, if you're going to another power yeah. five school, obviously they're seeing something there that uh, Missouri could have used at some point, but that's just the nature of college football at this point is we're going to be, we're going to be swapping players with other power five schools every off season for the rest of time. Yeah. Um, okay. I think you, you talked about, maybe we'll mention, um, football staff changes, mm -hmm. um, because it seems there's definitely were some changes so we can recap that a little bit. It definitely seems like we're at the point where we don't expect any more changes. And speaking of what we can expect, um, Eli Drinkwitz did say they do not expect to sign any other high school players, mm -hmm. um, this class. Uh, yeah, again, kind of with the transfer players, you know, we've talked about some of these of uh, the past couple months, but just to kind of take stock of where we are, uh, we lost Aaron Fletcher to Arizona State. Uh, Casey Woods went to SMU, and Charlie Harbison is stepping away for a while, but he's still listed on the roster uh, I saw today. So I don't know if he's going to make a return at some point or not, but they did replace Charlie Harbison uh, with a uh, Blake Baker, I think, mm -hmm. is, was his replacement. He's going to coach the safeties. Mm -hmm. um, he was most recently at LSU coaching linebackers, but he's been a defensive coordinator at the Division One level. Um, but anyways, I'll just kind of run I'll run down the staff here. Um, got Marcus Johnson is the offensive line coach, and, and he's also listed as the assistant head coach. Um, Bush Hamden is was coaching tight ends. He's now coaching quarterbacks. Uh, so he takes that responsibility off of Coach Nickwood's plate, which I think is big. Uh, Kudis, Kudis, Curtis mm -hmm. Looper <laughs> is at uh, running backs. Jacob Peeler is the new wide receivers coach, and he was previously at Ole Miss. Is that yeah. most recently? Uh, two spots two ago. Spots he ago. was at Texas State yeah. most recently, but previously at Ole Miss. Yeah, and got to coach some really good players that are now in the NFL. 
Uh, Eric Link is special teams and tight ends now, so he's added tight ends to his plate. Uh, Steve Wilkes is the defensive coordinator. DJ Smith is the uh, linebackers coach, and then he took on the recruiting coordinator title after Casey Woods left. Uh, Like I said, Blake Baker is uh, safeties coach. And then we've got the defensive line coaches. Al Davis is the interior coach, and Kevin Peoples is a new addition to the staff. He's going to be handling the defensive end, like edge rushers. Yeah, so in that same sort of press conference that Coach Drink uh, gave a couple days ago, he mentioned uh, Baker as being like the number two guy on the defensive side of the ball under Wilkes. Okay. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he's, he's had, like I said, some coordinating jobs in the past, so yeah. knows what he's doing. And then uh, he did, Coach Drinkwitz did talk about the decision to remove himself from that quarterback coach role and give that to a, to an assistant completely. And he talked about, I thought this was kind of interesting. He talked about like he was in, he was having one-on-one conversations with the quarterbacks at the beginning of the season. And then he didn't like some of the things that were going on with the rest of the team. So he kind of uh, diverted his attention away from quarterbacks to more of the team as a whole. And then he felt like that's the reason for, well, at least this is what he said. That was the reason for the lacking quarterback play in the second half of the season. So part of me sees that as him just kind of saying like the buck stops with me, which I'm happy to see him kind of be like, you know, it was my fault when these things weren't going like they should. But uh, I don't know. It just makes me wonder, like, are you saying that you really need to have your hands on every little piece of this for it to work correctly? Right. But at the same time, I remember how last season went. And obviously there was an issue on the defensive side of the ball. And if what Coach Drink is saying is correct, he started maybe investigating some of the issues in different parts of the team. And then uh, if you remember, there was a change on the defensive coaching staff. So it makes me wonder if he kind of sat in on more meetings, you know, paid more attention to the defense and practices and stuff like that, and then didn't like what he was seeing obviously from the defensive line. Um, so they made a coaching change. So that, it kind of does add up with the timeline of the overall season. But, uh, man, probably should have turned his attention back to the quarterback sooner if uh, if that's really what he thinks the issue was. Well, that's kind of weird, too. I mean, so you're saying you stepped away from the quarterbacks and that was a bad thing, so you stepped away from the quarterbacks in the offseason? You're now permanently stepping away? Well, uh, I think... I mean, the way I'm going to, if I'm trying to be a little bit charitable to coach drink and like think that he's on to something, there was no other quarterbacks coach. So if he was stepping away, they were not really, I mean, it sounds like they were not getting the attention that they needed from any coach at that point. Um, if he's, if there's no offensive coordinator and he is the coaching or the quarterbacks coach and he's kind of, um, you know stepping away from that to work on the rest of the team, then who's there to talk to the quarterbacks every day. Um, but he like specifically mentioned not having the like 30 minute one-on-one conversations every single day that he was having earlier in the season. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, we're thinking about in game stuff. I think when we talk about his, you know, taking things off his plate because he has so much going on, but that's an example of uh, off the field stuff, you know, in the day-to-day things that I think will help alleviate all of the things he needs to worry about. Yeah, because you want your head coach to be able to sit in on meetings from all the different position groups and be involved in those areas every single practice. 
obviously he's more of an offensive-minded mm-hmm. head coach. He's going to call the plays and everything still. He's probably still going to have a close relationship with the quarterbacks. But, yeah, I mean, it makes complete sense to me to uh, have a different coach be responsible specifically for the quarterbacks. Well, that kind of gets us caught up on the football offseason um, so far. Uh, I Definitely the bulk of the changes are behind us now. So we can, from this point on, start kind of looking forward to the spring game, spring practices, and the start of another football season. Which is this month, by the way. Spring practices start this month. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but I guess uh, better get started. Uh, all right, we are going to move on to basketball now. Uh, Missouri most recently lost to Florida, but before that they lost to Iowa State. Uh, Missouri had to go on the road to Ames, Iowa. They lost that game 67-50. to It was kind of a weird game. Um, two completely different halves of basketball. Um, more on Iowa State's end than Missouri's end, in my opinion. Uh, Missouri found themselves up by five points, 29-24, uh, to with two minutes left in the first half. Iowa State couldn't make anything early mm-hmm. uh obviously part of that's going to be missouri's defense but they were just ice cold yeah. for most of the first half and then uh iowa state scored eight points in the final two minutes of the first half and went on a little mini run there and then went on a not mini run a 21 to 3 run early in the second half and that was the end of the game yeah it's like the final score was pretty much exactly what we would have what we predicted um but after the first half when Missouri I thought Missouri played pretty well um, better than I thought they were going to um, yeah the final two minutes like you said were awful and coach got a weird technical and like yeah, it was gosh. just that like honestly sometimes I think a technical foul can be helpful to like fire up the team but I genuinely think that was a terrible time to yeah, get a technical like right before halftime when it's whatever momentum yes. you might whatever so, energy that might bring is just gonna right and it was on top of a foul too so yes. I would say just shot four straight free throws I think and then yeah. got the ball yeah so that was awful. But um, anyways, I had completely adjusted expectations after that first half and was like, okay, Missouri, um, you know, might give them a game all the way to the end here. And then that was a, a terrible um, oversight by me <laughs> to uh, change my expectations. Yeah. And Iowa State looked more like what we expected <clears throat> in the second half. Really pesky on defense. They turn you over like crazy. And we talked about that last week. I mean, they, they – Force turnovers and w- have like non force turnovers too, right? Yeah. Like, I don't even know their how pressure basically just just you know, makes you yeah. mess up. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they did that a lot. Um, yeah. Even though Missouri shot 36% from three, they attempted three more free throws than Iowa State in the game. That's a first. Uh, they turned the ball over 18 times, Missouri did. And they were also out rebounded 31 to 27. What's going on with the rebounding? Like, I feel like early in the season, Missouri was winning the rebounding battle every single time. And now it's like completely flipped where especially the the defensive glass, I feel like we, I mean, obviously we saw it in the Auburn game, but it's kind of becoming a trend that teams are getting second and sometimes third chances on one possession because Missouri can't secure the defensive rebound. It's probably because Jordan Wilmore hasn't played much. That's, that could be it. <laughs> He, he was a rebounding he machine. He was really sucking, sucking up the rebounds. Um, <laughs> is it, I mean, is it because did Iowa State? I mean, how many threes did they shoot? <clears throat> I can tell you. I mean, they it seemed like they were shooting a lot of twos. They it seemed like they were efficient, 
in the second half from two. They weren't having those long rebounds from, from three, long missed threes. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, for them, it was night and day from the second half to the first half. Yeah, they shot 18 threes, only made six of them. Um, they were 18 of 35 from two. Uh, Tyrese Hunter, 7 of 10. Yeah, they were uh, much more efficient from two. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they had 1.08 points per possession compared to Missouri's 0.8. So, yeah, the efficiency was – and I would say that was probably pretty even in the first half um, because Iowa State wasn't making anything, but then they just kind of turned it on in the second half and – went to the free throw line more in the second in the second half than the first half yeah this kind of feel like we're maybe a little too reliant on kobe to get every single rebound and it seems like he's kind of maybe hit a wall a little bit recently um you know, he's been he's he's been so good this year but in the last few games it seems like he hasn't been quite as hot yeah i was going to bring that up after the florida game but since you mentioned it um yeah i would say he's slumping for sure um since the incredible 30 point 13 rebound game in the win against alabama he's had six points seven points 15 in the win over ole miss but then six eight three and eight yeah and it i mean obviously he when he's your best player but i'm sure his performances are incredibly reflective of missouri's wins and losses i'm sure those are very correlated yeah, uh, in one, two, three, four, five of Missouri's eight wins, he was the Kempom MVP. So, yeah, if he's scoring single digits, it's probably not a good night for the Tigers. Um, yeah, not much to reflect on in the Iowa State game with it being a non-conference game and the final score being pretty much exactly what we predicted. Um, the turnovers, it's just, just crazy to have 18 turnovers. And they Missouri, the 18th turnover came with, like, five minutes left in the game <laughs> so they, it's lucky that wasn't a 20 plus number yeah they, sc- they scored some garbage time points really i mean yeah I'm gl- i think they were lucky to even get to 50 yeah they think they they made a shot at the buzzer that yeah. was like literal garbage to even hit 50 yeah um yeah and this one specifically kobe brown with three points and four rebounds in 34 minutes of action that's not gonna cut it um we can just move straight into the Florida game. Uh, Missouri lost to Florida 66 to 65. Definitely a game they should have won. Not exactly like some of the epic collapses that we've seen in the Conzo Martin era. We've seen some crazy stuff happen as far as like double digit and like nearly 20 point leads evaporate in the second half. This one wasn't so bad. Um, Florida started out super hot. They were like making every three. They ended up shooting, I think, like 45% from three. Um, Yeah, 10 of 23 from three. Uh, They were making everything early. I kind of thought the way the game was going, Missouri might just kind of lay down and just, it was kind of a weird game. The game time got moved. There was barely anybody in the arena. I thought they might kind of get down by eight points and then just stay down by five to ten points the rest of the game uh but that didn't happen missouri showed some heart they chipped away at the lead until they got a lead of their own at 41 to 40 and then there was a very ugly stretch of basketball there was a seven minute stretch in the second half where florida did not score a single point and that's some mizzou type stuff right there but uh even then usually it's like they've gone 
seven minutes without making a field goal. Usually there's a free throw in there somewhere. Uh, Florida was like 0 for 3 or 0 for 4 on free throws during that seven-minute stretch. Um, But Missouri was only able to get it to an eight-point lead during that Florida drought. And that's something we've talked about before with this team, especially some of those, I'm using air quotes, hot starts that Missouri has gotten. Like I'm remembering the Texas A&M game. They started out on a 12-0 run, I think. But it was like six minutes of game time. It should have been 18-0. But Missouri's offense isn't consistent enough to take advantage of those droughts by the opponent. Um, Florida reverse course they started chipping away at the mizzou lead until it was a one possession game with about five minutes left and then just kind of went back and forth there about a one possession game right until the end and it really looked like missouri had this one um it was a little sloppy as it tends to be when you don't have a point guard late in the game but um boogie coleman was fouled um an intentional well not an intentional foul but they fouled him to put him to the line so that Florida could get the ball back. And he looked confident. Like he was not trying to get rid of the ball to a better free throw shooter or anything like that. Um, I felt good about it. I thought he was going to just walk up there and knock down two free throws, but he missed the front end of the one-and-one. And then... It's unfortunate that we were even in the one-on-one, honestly, at that point. Yeah. The, again, the foul disparity, but I sorry to interrupt you. No, it's okay. That was a pretty big deal in this game. Um I can't remember exactly what I think. uh, Oh, Florida, Appleby just like ran down the floor and scored a layup. And then they maybe traded baskets there or something. I feel like there was a play where Kobe just randomly was wide open for a layup or he like had that kind of dish around the defender's back to. I think that was a little earlier on. Okay. (coughs) Well, there was some. Boogie's missed free throw was really late. Yeah, you're right. Um, Well, let me back up to that because there was a a stretch there where the teams were kind of just going back and forth. Mm Mm-hmm. And but still, Missouri was having to work hard on their offensive possessions. Florida was bringing their defense out past the three-point line. That's been a trend that the opponents have been doing to Missouri on defense. But they were still executing. I mean, Amari Davis knocked down a couple huge two-point jumpers. Uh, Kobe had that dish to Ronnie DeGray down low for two. But then Florida was scoring in like five seconds, just matching him driving to the basket making it look really easy yeah but then there at the very end um Deshaun Gordon fouled uh Tyree Appleby literally like as far away from the basket as possible yes and of course he goes to the line makes two free throws um then a couple possessions later he's driving Appleby's driving again and I can see Missouri fans having a gripe on this foul call because Appleby definitely like shoved his arm between gordon's and then went up for the shot i thought that was a fair call i did i did too what else are you going to do there yeah um appleby of course makes everything all all the free throws down the stretch i think he was 10 for 10 in the game yes uh yeah so that gave uh florida a one point lead but missouri still had two chances they had two shots to take the lead in the final seven seconds of the game amari davis got the inbound and drove all the way into the paint, but had kind of a weird off balance kind of, he just kind of flung it up towards the rim, uh, but the shot got blocked out of bounds. And then with like two seconds left, there was a inbound play with multiple options, but it ended up going to Coleman uh, for three. It missed everything. Game over, Florida wins, Missouri loses by one.
yeah um i don't know i don't know how this i don't know how this game hurt as bad as it did like i don't know how i'm still so emotionally invested because you know after the auburn game especially a few weeks ago i was kind of devastated to lose that this one stung pretty bad too and it's just games that missouri is leading for 70 80 percent of the game and you know have late significant leads and just find a way to lose it's just infuriating yeah especially in in a game like this florida game coming down the stretch there had to be multiple there was multiple things that had to happen all of them had to happen for florida to win this game yeah with like missouri having a two or three point lead with like a minute left you know and then all the weird foul situations if boogie makes one of two if he just makes the front end yeah i think they win if they play slightly better defense on appleby on some of his drives if gordon doesn't foul 80 feet from the basket and they have to use you know even if he even if Appleby drives and scores a layup that possession, he's still going to have to take 10 seconds off the clock. Mm-hmm. And that might be the difference in the ball game right there. Oh man. It's just, again, one of these games where Florida attempted quite a few more free throws. Uh, I think they made 10 more attempted. Looks like what eight more. Yeah. The Missouri. Yeah. Florida shot really well. Uh, 22 for 26 free throw. Yeah. Uh, Missouri 12 of 17. Yeah, I predicted a Missouri win in this one, too. I felt pretty good about oh, that prediction. I yeah, I, I really was like, yeah, we nailed that. Because I just piggybacked off of your predi- yeah, I think prediction Yeah, you, af- you were afraid to speak anything out loud because you. I think you secretly disagreed with me. <laughs> I was trying to be hopeful and it almost worked. <laughs> I needed to be more uh, convicted in, in thinking they were going to win. Well, apparently not because they lost. Well, I'm saying maybe then they would have won. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's that, how that works. That would have made a difference. Um, Kobe Brown with eight points in this one. Um really nobody could get anything going consistently on offense for Missouri. Um, I think, I don't know what I want to see more from them on offense. It's like, yeah, nobody more made shots. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, nobody can be consistent and there were stretches in this game where Coleman was knocking down shots and he's kind of deep three. Yeah. He has shown that he can knock down shots and mm-hmm. davis has shown that he can knock down those yeah brazil played a lot in this game too which mm-hmm. is good to see yeah i mean I he had f- some really good plays i feel like you're right i mean uh, these guys it's like they're kind of starting to do the things that we thought they were going to do it was taking a little bit longer than we hoped but it really does look like amari davis is like ready to step into a scoring role he's he's hitting more of those shots that you know we saw him make in his previous stops in college and stuff he's looking more like the player that i imagined but none of these guys still are consistent and you know Trayvon Brazil and he's a freshman so you don't really expect him to be consistent yet you know he's shown flashes but at the same time can disappear for a while it just it seems like and you know, with Kobe kind of hitting a wall recently it seems like we've got you know six or seven guys that at any time can can be really solid but just can't seem to do it consistently enough to win consistently yeah and this game is I mean, just looking at the box score, it's 100% free throws. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. Missouri shot pretty well. They yeah. shot 54% from two, 38% from three. Yeah. Maybe. I, I mean, I'm not – no game the rest of the season am I going to say Missouri should have shot more threes yeah. because this is right where I think they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, 15 ish threes a game yeah. is perfect in my opinion. Yeah. Honestly, that's the biggest disparity right now um, with them and the teams they're playing is it seems like they're attempting less free throws, making less free throws. And I don't, you know, I'm not a basketball coach, but we need to be looking, you know, taking strong drives to the basket, getting fouled, that kind of stuff. Like I think that, you know, we have guys that are athletic enough to drive and get to the basket and get fouled. And I don't, I don't know how you tell your team, Hey, you need to get fouled more. Yeah. But well, I think, yeah, I mean, that's a personnel issue for sure. I just feel like you see it when teams are extending their defense on the ball out past the three-point line. They're basically saying, I don't think you're good enough to drive to the basket successfully around me. Yep. And a lot of times they're right. And a lot of times Missouri doesn't even try because, I mean, our guards are not proficient enough at handling the ball on a crowded drive to the basket. Yeah, Kobe's probably the best on the team at that. Right, and but he, when he's in that situation, he's always having to start from beyond the three-point line. And so he will like get a nice first step on a guy or make a nice move, but then he's only to the free-throw line. And he still has to keep creating, and then he just they just lose it. I mean, yeah. we've seen guys try to drive to the basket and yeah. just be out of control because they – just don't quite have the guard skills yeah. to knife into the paint like that and finish. Yep, we are, I think we say it every week, but we're just so desperately in need of a competent point guard. And you got to mention in this one, Florida shot uh, 44% from three. Yeah. So that's that's hard to overcome. And some of those shots were just ridiculous. Like they banked in a three. They yeah. were just like a falling away at the shot clock three that went in. Yep. They were just hot from deep. Uh, so now with that loss, uh, Missouri drops to eight and 13 overall two and six in sec play Their Kim Palm rating has been pretty static the last week and a half. It's at 134, 171 on offense, 127 on defense. Yeah. It's not a good situation when both of those numbers are in triple digits. Right. I don't think there's another, maybe Georgia is the only other team that has both of those numbers in triple digits in the sec. But honestly, there's not very many power five conference teams that are in triple digits in both offense and defensive efficiency on Kempom. But coming up, uh, we have two road games against Texas A&M and Vanderbilt. Uh, obviously, we've already played A&M once this year. That was the game Missouri jumped out to a pretty nice lead, but A&M uh, stole that one at Missouri Arena. They won that one 67 to 64. But since then, they've lost five straight including a home loss to number 100 South Carolina. So not a good loss for them. Uh, A&M is 68th in Kim Palm, 86th on offense, 54th on defense. And I wish I could tell you that um, we will see something different in this matchup than we did the matchup at Missouri Arena. But what happened in that game is uh, Henry Coleman was just um, – pretty dominant on the inside um, Missouri didn't have a big body that could keep up with him he finished with 18 points uh, super efficient from the field A&M got to the free throw line of course um, I don't know I think with this being a road game and A&M is desperate for a win um, after losing five in a row they're not they're probably not an NCAA tournament team but they have definitely have more hopes of being one than Missouri does 
but they would have to turn it on pretty quick uh, and make some noise in SEC play down the stretch. So I think they're going to be motivated uh, playing at home after some tough losses. They uh, took Arkansas to overtime on the road during this losing streak. I don't know. They, uh, they're pretty solid on defense. I think they're going to give Missouri trouble again. I think Missouri's going to turn the ball over a lot. I don't think it'll be a blowout or anything. Um, if Missouri can get hot from three, maybe they can keep this a game late. But I don't think Missouri will have enough on offense to win on the road at A&M. I think A&M will snap their losing streak. It's probably going to be like, I don't know, 63 to 57 A&M. Yeah, I was thinking about a 10-point loss. No other thoughts from you on A&M? Not really. They're going to get that su- that season sweep. Yeah, missed our chance at I think, home. I think so, yep. Then we have Vanderbilt, who is 11-10 overall, 3-6 and six in their third season under head coach Jerry Stackhouse. They're 89th in Kimpom, 141 on offense, 50th on defense. And if you haven't watched much Vanderbilt this season, Scottie Pippen Jr. is really fun to watch. One of the best players in the country. His usage is off the charts. He's the number one player in assist rate in the SEC while also taking the third highest percentage of shots of anybody in the conference. So he's pretty much doing it all for Vanderbilt. They are still not great Um, offensively. They can be super inefficient, but one thing they do really well is get to the free throw line. Mm -hmm. So that's my prediction in that one. I don't think we're going to have anybody defensively that can slow down. I mean, Scottie Pippen Jr. has put up 30-plus points in both of their matchups already this year with Kentucky. So he's going to get his no matter what. Yeah. Hopefully it's closer to 20 points for him than 30. But even if you try to slow him down, he's really good at finding his open teammates for easy buckets. And they've got like uh, four of their starters play like 70 plus percent of the minutes. So they've got a really solid core of uh, upperclassmen that they lean on. They've got a decent post presence. They've got some decent shooters. I mean, Pippen himself shooting like 34% from three. I don't know. He's just uh, like first team all SEC player. And I don't think Missouri will be able to slow him down. If this game was at Mizzou Arena, I would maybe predict this one pretty similarly to the Florida game. But with it being on the road, I think Vanderbilt takes it. Yeah, I feel like um, Stackhouse has had kind of a weird three years at Vanderbilt, but this is definitely the best they've been since he's been there. They've got an offensive – they're ranked 141st in offense on Kim Palm, but I definitely feel like they can be better than that. They, Like you said, they're kind of inconsistent. They kind of – have swings though but they can get hot and i think they can they could easily put up 80 points in this game in my opinion yeah i agree with you they have a senior big man named quentin melora brown who's shooting 64 percent from two and he um is just solid down low blocks a lot of shots gets a lot of offensive rebounds um they've got another uh, player named miles stute who shoots 40 percent from three that's basically all he does just spot up shooter and um, they've got another kid named Jordan Wright, who is a junior like Scottie Pippen, and um, not Scottie Pippen Jr. They're both juniors in college. 
follow? Mm. Okay. Jordan Wright. Uh, he's uh, another. He's like a forward who takes the next most shots, and he's like the big man and Wright are both guys that Scottie Pippen Jr. is looking to if a defense just collapses on him. He's going to be dishing it to one of those two guys. Um, I was looking at uh, Jerry Stackhouse since you mentioned uh, him. I feel like people have been talking about him being on the hot seat. Yeah. But well, I feel like he's a little bit volatile in like press conferences and stuff like that, which I think contributes to that sometimes. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, Kevin Stallings was their head coach for like seven thousand years, and took them to plenty of NCAA tournaments and stuff. And then Bryce Drew was there, but they just got progressively worse each of his three seasons. But uh, I'm looking at Jerry Stackhouse on Kimpom. He's taken them from 170 to 104 to now this year 89. So it's the right trajectory, just maybe not as good as fast as Vanderbilt fans would hope. How many seasons was was uh, Drew there? Or what's it? Not three. Drew. Yeah, oh. Bryce Drew. Bryce Drew, yeah. yeah. He was there for three seasons. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I was thinking he was there for a shorter amount of time. His but final year, they went 0-18 uh, in conference. For play. some reason, I felt like his firing was like unwarranted but that's pretty terrible i guess <laughs> i don't know what i would have been thinking at that time if he had been there for three years and they went winless in sec yeah. play so i mean they went to the ncaa tournament his first season but then oh wow just got worse and worse interesting um so you th- you're thinking this yeah. is gonna be an ugly one i feel like vanderbilt is like i said pretty inconsistent i feel like we don't really know what what team could show up you know i think missouri could win this game but uh, i'll say probably 70 percent of the time vanderbilt's winning this mm, yeah i agree with you how many points is uh scotty pippen gonna put up i'll say he put up he'll put up 24 i'm thinking it's gonna be like 28 unfortunately oh. either way it would be a lot i guess yeah those four points are gonna make the difference I'm he's, sure. he is the he's the heart and soul really fun to watch though if anything if missouri's just gonna lose this game you know this isn't the best season for the tigers watch some of these opponents that are gonna be playing in the nba they're still fun to watch you think he will i think so i think he could have gone last year but his draft position was a little iffy um it's hard to it's hard with some of these guys that have been around for a little while on bad teams putting up numbers but i think he shows the skills and the shooting touch i mean his shot looks really nice i think he'll it'll translate to the next level he's not afraid to shoot it from nba range yeah all right is that it for this week i think that's it man hopefully i was hoping we would have a win to discuss today maybe next week but uh the coach of the team of you know conzo martin yeah i've heard of him some someone say he's on the hot seat so Mm, yes <laughs> i think some people are probably <laughs> just fine with uh with a couple of losses this week not us though we want wins and a new coach <laughs> <laughs> we want the best of both worlds all right team that's it yeah special thank you to our patreon supporters at the ten dollar level and above brit trees brian smith ryan lee tristan ben smith parker daddy jd lewis hernandez tim keens and tyler harsel thank you Thank you, gentlemen. Um, you can find this podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. You can find our stickers on our online shop. We are sold out of t shirts, so thank you guys for that. We're working on getting more. 
MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. You should buy our shirts when we get them back in stock. But in the meantime, you could check out a check out a little Luther Burden shirt. You know, support the five-star wide receiver. I had to explain to my wife why I was buying a random hoodie. We are the recruiters now. Exactly. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.